0: And if you still have the program for the Holy Mass, if you could also have that handy as well. As you have these two, uh, if you're working on getting these two articles together, keep in mind that today, on this Saturday, we celebrate the Feast of St. Gertrude the Great, one of the great apostles of the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Really, in God's timing, His providence, we find that today is a perfect day to gather together as members of the faithful to focus on Christ's powerful love for each one of us, to consider the depth of his love. St. Gertrude's one of those beautiful saints, oftentimes lost in the great plethora of so many beautiful examples of holiness given to us in the Church by our brothers and sisters, the saints in heaven. St. Gertrude the Great is oftentimes known because of her incredible devotion to the souls in purgatory, composing a beautiful, powerful prayer offered by many for the benefit of the souls in purgatory. But what's oftentimes overlooked or not known or focused on is her deep, her deep love for the sacred heart of Jesus. Gertrude the Great. I remember visiting a young woman from our diocese who had entered a Benedictine monastery. She was going to be progressing from the postulancy to the novitiate, which meant she was going to receive her name and religion and receive the beautiful white veil of a novice, Her mother was really struggling with her vocation, her daughter's vocation to the consecrated religious life. And having met her mother outside, having both journeyed from the diocese to this monastery, we were speaking, and she said, You know, it was on this day a couple of years ago. She said, I went to Mass this morning, and the priest was talking about the name Gertrude, St. Gertrude the Great. And she said, you know, I was thinking of all of the different names my daughter might receive. She might receive today. I prayed with my, my husband very hard over what name we would give her when she was born. And today, I'm waiting to hear what name she'll receive in religious life. Should I wonder if she'll receive the name Gertrude. And I said, well there's also another beautiful saint that lived at the same time in the same monastery as St. Gertrude, St. Mechthild. And the mother looked at me and she's like, let's hope for Gertrude. (laughs) I said, well, you never know. I mean, they were both saints. Both beautiful. They loved our Lord. Planted great seeds of holiness, St. Gertrude, St. Mechthild. Mechthild. you know, just trying to brace her for whatever name the mother abbess might announce. Sure enough, the mother abbess, when she called forth the young woman, she said, from henceforth, you shall be known in this community and by your sisters in heaven, on earth, in purgatory as Sister Gertrude of the heart of Christ. And the mother looked over at me Into the sanctuary, it just kind of offered a sigh of relief. (laughs) And the custom in that particular religious order of cloistered Benedictine nuns was that after the ceremony, the family and the priest would get to greet their daughter. And so, with great eagerness and excitement, we went to the parlor. We were looking through the grill, speaking to now Sister Gertrude. And her mother goes, You know, I was talking to Father beforehand, and she said, I'm just so grateful that your name is Gertrude and not... And she looked at me and she goes, How did you say it, Father? How How is that other name? And her daughter, now Sister Gertrude, goes, Well, Mom, we're allowed to submit three names. And Gertrude actually wasn't one of them that I submitted. And Mom goes, Well, what were the three names? She goes, Well, I went with the other Benedictine Cistercian saints. And Mom's like, Oh, well, who are they? Well, there are two by the same name. There's Mechthild, and there's Mechthild. And then she gave a third one, and the mother looked totally horrified at me. (laughs) I said, well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, so we'll be grateful for St. Gertrude the Great. But Gertrude the Great had an apparition of the Lord, very much like St. Margaret Mary. It was a vision, a mystical union with Christ where she was present at the Last Supper with John, the beloved, the other apostles. And she was given the privilege of placing her head on the chest of Jesus and she could hear his divine heart beating. And Gertrude the Great looked at St. John and asked him, did you too, when you embraced the Lord at the Last Supper, did you too hear his divine heart beating. And he responded, yes, I did. I did hear his heart beating. And then she responded so fast, then why didn't you write about it? We know in your gospel that you placed your head on the chest of our Lord, but you did not say anything of his divine heart. You didn't say anything about how his heart beats with love for humanity. You didn't say anything about how much he loves each and every single one of us at that moment when you heard the beating of his heart. John's response haunted Gertrude the Great. And for every single one of us who know the Lord, love the Lord, and serve the Lord, it stirs within us a need to have compassion and a response of devotion to Jesus. He said, it was not my task to write about, speak about, or even share about the beating of his heart. That would be someone else's task. It's your task, Gertrude. You have heard his heart. You know his love. You have received his presence. Now let people know. The words of St. Gertrude give us a Opportunity to pause and to reflect the life of that young sister, Gertrude of the Heart of Jesus, and even her mother, who, in that moment of anticipation and anxiety and nervousness over her daughter drawing close to the Lord through vows and religious life, receiving a new name, was able to, even in humor, appreciate how the Lord was caring for her daughter and for her as a mother who was aching in her heart, to let go of her daughter, but was overwhelmed with gratitude to see her daughter grow closer to Christ. just going to ask you just to change things up a bit to please, with the program you have, perhaps from the Mass, to please stand. And as we enter into this last reflection, consider the love that Christ has in his heart for us Open your program to what's called the post-communion hymn, Heart of Christ. And as people who know of the Lord, know the Lord, love the Lord, and desire to serve Him with our hearts, with our voices, let us sing to the Lord, the hymn, Heart of Christ.
1: Heart of Christ, we sing thy praises, wellspring of eternal life. Through the sorrows of thy passion, we find refuge from our strife, our of Christ, thou dost in body, all the wonder of God's love, harmed us till tender mercies showered from our I invite you to please
0: join me in kneeling, and we will pray the litany of the Sacred Heart. Lord, have mercy. mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord have, mercy. Lord, have mercy. God, our Father in heaven. Have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world. Have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God. Have mercy on us. Part of Jesus, Son of the Eternal Father. Have mercy on us. Part of Jesus, formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mother. Have mercy on us. Part of Jesus, one with the Eternal Word. Heart of Jesus, infinite in majesty. Heart of Jesus, holy temple of God. Heart of Jesus, tabernacle of the Most High. Heart of Jesus, house of God and gate of heaven. Heart of Jesus, aflame with love for us. Heart of Jesus, source of justice and love. Heart of Jesus, full of goodness and love. Heart of Jesus, wellspring of all virtue. Heart of Jesus, worthy of all praise. Heart of Jesus, king and center of all hearts. Heart of Jesus, treasure house of wisdom and knowledge. Heart of Jesus, in whom there dwells the fullness of God. Heart of Jesus, in whom the Father is well pleased. Heart of Jesus, from whose fullness we have all received. Heart of Jesus, desire of the everlasting hills. Heart of Jesus, patient and full of mercy. Heart of Jesus, generous to all who turn to you. Heart of Jesus, fountain of life and holiness. Heart of Jesus, atonement for our sins. Heart of Jesus, overwhelmed with insults. Heart of Jesus, broken for our sins. Heart of Jesus, obedient even to death. Heart of Jesus, pierced by a lance. Heart of Jesus, source of all consolation. Heart of Jesus, our life and resurrection. Heart of Jesus, our peace and reconciliation. Heart of Jesus, victim of our sins. Heart of Jesus, salvation of all who trust in you. Heart of Jesus, hope of all who die in you. Heart of Jesus, delight of all the saints. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Jesus, gentle and humble of heart, touch our hearts and make them like your own. Let us pray. Father, we rejoice in the gifts of love we have received from the heart of Jesus, your Son. Open our hearts to share his life and continue to bless us with his love. We ask this in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have the noble task of wrapping up everything today, and a lot of our insurance plans, we have what's called Flex Dollars. For the Congress of the Sacred Heart, Father Stosh Daly is what's called Flex Time. I'm the makeup, the crunch guy, the water boy, whatever you want to call me. To wrap up, I draw your attention, perhaps some of you remember watching the movie called The Help. any of you watched that? It was one of those painfully powerful movies to watch. Because while you could experience the incredible opportunity and depth of love found within the human heart, found within the human condition, you also had to watch and experience the reality of sin. There's a scene in that movie which still to this day, it haunts me, and it's where Towards the end, when the main character has been let go, she was accused of stealing silver. You know. She's been let go and she kneels down and makes eye contact with the little girl that she had been caring for, she had been raising, she had loved. She understood that while her mother loved her the priorities in the home weren't what they were supposed to be and that little girl didn't know she was loved she didn't have someone to remind her that she is cared for there was no one there to really challenge that little girl to remind her that she is important so the lady who was the help knelt down and made eye contact with that beautiful little girl. And she told her, remember always what I've told you. And she had to repeat her words. She said, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. And she made the little girl repeat that about herself. She knew that she would be leaving for what would very well be the last time. She might never see that little girl again. But she wanted that little girl to know that even though she was growing up in a household, she was growing up in a village, a town, a city, she was growing up in a culture that was very broken by sin and injustice, that that little girl, she still mattered. She still was at the center of love. And she was important. And as the woman who was the hired help stood up and left, you can see as she's walking away, she's breathing deeply so as to gain confidence that she can go on into the next chapter of her life. Painful as the last one was, because of sharing the truth, Of what had happened, there had been the reward of that great windfall. But that encounter between that woman who loved that little girl and that little girl who needed to be loved, it haunts you when you think about where our humanity can be when in contrast to where it's supposed to be. When you think of just how much our Lord Jesus Christ, who hangs on the cross behind me and above me, Just how much he has reminded us, expressed to us, told us how much we are loved. When you think back to what Gertrude asked to St. John, why didn't you tell us how much his heart loves us? And John said, it wasn't my task. He went on to say in his own words, believe it or not, then and there, humanity was warm. Humanity wanted God. And the message of God's love in the divine and sacred heart of Jesus Christ for humanity, that message was supposed to be saved for when humanity grew cold and distant from God. And in that time between the 900s and the 1100s, humanity had grown cold. I don't know what that means about where we are now. I don't think we've gotten warmer And if you look at what our Lord said to St. Gertrude through St. John, and then if you look at what was said in the 1670s to St. Margaret Mary, the Lord is only becoming more and more passionate about reminding humanity about the depth of His love. Not just a love for humanity at large, but a love for each and every single human person. Every single human heart. This is the great treasure of our holy Catholic faith. That's why your presence here at St. Michael Church today is incredible. It made a powerful statement to our beautiful bishop. And then we were able to hear and to see and experience the powerful witness of our bishop given to us to pray the Mass with us today. Keep in mind ancient Israel. You receive the leader you pray for. We prayed hard, and the Lord blessed us with a beautiful bishop. He's gone, so I don't have to be worried about being accused of brown-nosing, so (laughs) he's moved on to his next task. But we prayed hard when Bishop Campbell announced, and we all knew his tenure was coming to a close, and the Lord sent us a bishop who, like our last bishop and the bishop before him, has a love for the heart of Christ, which means he has a love for humanity, because if you enter into the heart of Jesus, you're entering into an abyss of love for humanity. Now, here's the thing. We know from what the bishop said, we know from what the Lord has said, there is love for each and every single human heart. That doesn't necessarily mean each of our hearts are going to respond. And that's why this Congress is so important. That's why the enthronement of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in your home is important. It gives you a stage, a platform, a place that is yours, where you can wrestle with the reality of His love for you. We work hard and tirelessly so to make sure that the Sacred Heart is in our church, that He is in the tabernacle, and He is in our homes. We have to stop being the people who want to starve to death, who want to freeze to death, who want to die a slow, agonizing death because we decide His warmth is not enough. We want the coldness of sin. Who says, so? Who says that? No one says that, but that is how today the people of the world live. I don't want his warmth. I want this coldness. I don't want his food. I want starvation. I don't want satisfaction. I want emptiness. Jesus makes his heart available to humanity so that we may know satisfaction, completion is possible. Our hunger and our thirst can be taken care of. That thirst within our humanity can be satiated. That hunger, it can be obliterated. If you're looking for the meaning in your life, turn to the heart of Christ. Enter into the church. Enter into that place where you can pray and encounter the Lord in the Holy Eucharist, His heart in the Blessed Sacrament. But then realize, as you receive Him in the Holy Mass, He wants to accompany you. He wants to dwell within you. And He wants to have a home within you your heart and he wants his heart within your home a couple weeks ago a group of Franciscan friars bribed me into giving them a morning of recollection (laughs) so I drove to their friary and guided them through uh, meditation and reflection and there in that beautiful simple but beautiful chapel I told the friars, I said, you know, whenever I have to preach in front of a group of religious, it's intimidating. And whenever you have to preach in front of a group of your fellow priests, it's just downright nauseating. Because they're not even going to listen to what you say. They're just glad you're there so they don't have to do what they're supposed to be normally doing. And I told them, so I go into the chapel and I give myself to Our Lady and I give myself to the Lord in the Eucharist and I say, whatever I'm supposed to say, you've got to push it out, shove it out, and get it into them. And then I always look at the image of Our Lady and to notice where the pulpit is. And in this particular chapel at Holy Spirit Friary, the pulpit is immediately under the image of Our Lady. And I took notice of Our Lady and I was like, I really need to know what you want your sons to hear. And even the pose of Our Lady speaks volumes as to what she's going to say and what she's going to do. And I told the friars who were there, the TOR friars, I said, you know, it's very intimidating to preach to all of you this day in this chapel beneath Our Lady, who is above me, the image of Our Lady of Grace because her hands are out. And I don't know if her hands are out because of all the grace God is going to give her or because of how hopeless I'm going to be in my preaching to all of you. (laughs) And she's just giving up. And she's just going to say, ignore him, listen to me. And with that, I just, you know, they were laughing and chuckling, and I just heard the Lord say, just get rid of the notes. And I was like, that's
1: all I have.
0: <laughs> so I was like, okay, fine, you're management, I'm sales, get rid of the notes. Okay. <laughs> you know? And I went on, and I highlighted to the friars. And the message I shared with them is also a message for all of you. It's a beautiful echo of a message that was given earlier by the bishop. I told the friars, do not first see yourself as father or as brother. See yourself as son. Because when you remind yourself that you are a son of Mary, as a consecrated religious, as a consecrated religious who is a Franciscan, of the third order, third order regular, you are a son of Mary. And when you're a son of Mary, that means you're a brother of her son, Jesus, who is our Lord, who is God. And when you're a brother of Jesus, that means God the Father is your Father. And that means the Holy Spirit is the one who prompts you, guides you, gives you what you're supposed to say. And when you are that son, and then the brother, and only then, after you walk with and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, do you become... That consecrated brother, that consecrated father, then as that love for the Lord grows in your heart and you're able to accept and acknowledge the love He has for you and His own, then you're able to acknowledge that your fingers, your very fingers, are supposed to be Bethlehem. You are called to hold the Word, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of the Most High. You're called to hold Jesus in your fingers like Our Lady held Him in Bethlehem. Your feet must walk Calvary. You follow the Lord. You must go where He goes. He goes to Calvary. So too must we. In your mind, in your mind, you have to have Jerusalem and Nazareth where you see and where you know how he lives and how he loves. And of course, at this point, you can see the friars are like, what about the heart? What about the heart? What about the heart? They're, you can tell they're all professors at the university. They just want to get to the last line, you know, get to the last line. What's the point? What's the lesson? And as for your heart, your heart is supposed to be Bethany. It's in your heart that the Lord is supposed to find a place where he can be at peace, where he can rest, (laughs) like Chuck quoted me earlier, where he can rearrange the furniture because it's really his house, not yours. (laughs) You've invited him in as king, brother, and friend, and you want him to be at home in you. Yeah, 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 we all know we got the sins, we got the temptations, we got the faults, we got the failures, we got the imperfections, we don't measure up, we're trying to do this, we're all show, nothing on the inside, yeah, 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 no, your heart, your heart is supposed to be Bethany, your fingers, Bethlehem, your feet, walk on Calvary, your mind, Jerusalem and Nazareth, but in your heart, Bethany. And that message is not just for the TOR friars that I had the privilege of spending the morning with. That message is, in truth, for every single disciple. Our hearts are supposed to be Bethany. So if you came to the Congress today because you've already enthroned the sacred heart, renew the enthronement. Change it up a bit. Renew life within you. If you came to the Congress today because you wanted to learn more, about the sacred heart hear me now believe me later the Lord Jesus Christ wants to live within you he wants to live in your home he does not want to be a prisoner in the tabernacle where he's brought out for those who are able to acknowledge they need him and then they leave him the Lord will not be a prisoner in our churches he wants to be where we are and we therefore must be where he is so, if you have any doubt in your mind as to whether or not you should enthrone the Sacred Heart of Jesus in your home, before you leave this beautiful church today, ask the Lord in silence I give myself to you here. I have heard that you want to give yourself to me there, where I live. Can you give me the grace to open the door for you to come in? Because I'm worried about the piles. I'm worried about the laundry. I'm worried about the dishes. I'm worried about my clothes. I'm worried about what the yard looks like. Well, guess what? It's winter. Don't worry about what the yard looks like. (laughs) Permacloud is here for another good four months. No one's going to see what your yard looks like in winter. (laughs) Ask the Lord for the grace to remove anything and everything that is getting in the way of allowing you to welcome Him into your home. In Egypt, our ancestors were called forth from misery. They were called forth from misery and slavery into the wilderness so as to worship. And one of the last things they had to do was put blood on their front door. Jesus is not asking that of any of us today. That's supposed to be a sigh of relief. He is asking, though, for us to bring His heart into our homes. You have little children who are beautiful in their innocence, but you're filled with hesitation about the world they're going to grow up in. Maybe your little children have left the home and gone off to college. And at certain moments you struggle to sleep at night because you don't know what they're going to have to experience and survive. Your spouse leaves for the day to go to work, and you get that update on your phone that a tragedy has struck. A car accident took place. There's been yet another mass shooting. Where is my loved one? The chains of slavery for most of us today are doubt and uncertainty the whip that scourges us today is the evil one telling us that we're not known, we are forgotten, and we don't matter. But like that character said to the other character in that movie, the Lord speaks to our hearts. He reminds us, you are important. You are loved. But whereas in the movie, the little girl is told, you are kind... No, the Lord reminds us we are supposed to be virtuous, which gives birth to all of those other facets that can receive compliments. If you want, if you're considering, if you're on the fence with regard to doing the enthronement of the Sacred Heart, you came here today to hear words, to listen to a message, to pray, to receive the Lord. If you have received him in Holy Communion, he's within your soul right now. You heard him in the Word, he's within your mind. He wants to go into your home. He wants you to survive. He wants you to know you are loved. He wants you to know you are important. But this is not some exhibition of the religion of nice. He sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could know, love, and serve his heart, his humanity. We could have his presence, his person in our lives. Two days ago, I met with a young woman who's married, hoping to become Catholic. She's supposed to enter the church on December 8th. Pray for her. Her first name is Sarah. She's married to a young man who for a while had been a seminarian for our diocese, and he lived with me for a summer at Holy Family. Beautiful young couple, beautiful souls, beautiful hearts. When he came to me as a seminarian, he moved into the rectory, looked around, went to his room, sat down, and almost had like a mental breakdown. He was a recent convert. He wasn't used to the whole sacred heart hanging everywhere. Anthony of Padua looking at you no matter where you go. Some image of Mary always accompanying you in the house. And he sat there and he's like, what have I just done to myself? I said, Well you moved into holy family. Welcome. Unpack. Get used to it. You know? <laughs> this is how we live. You see something beautiful, you will think something beautiful. You see something holy, you will think something holy. We live in a world of darkness. I'm not giving in. I'm surrounding myself with light. The beautiful thing was, painful as it was, he discerned that the priesthood was not for him. And he left, he got married to a beautiful young woman She's now seeking full entrance into the faith because of the heart of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so she's been meeting with me one-on-one, beautiful path, an exciting journey, looking to enter. And I asked her, I said, do you have any reservation, any hesitation? Because when you make a journey towards the Lord's sacred heart, the world, literally the whole world, is going to put a wall between you and Him. And you've got to get over that. You've got to get over the hassle. You've got to get over the warfare. You've got to get over the spiritual pushback. Do you want him? Do you want Jesus? If you do, go for him. He's waiting for you. He wants to dwell within you. And she highlights, she goes, I have not received pushback, but my mother has. And my mother is not a Catholic. But everyone my mother speaks to, and she lets them know, my daughter's becoming a Catholic, they all say, why? And Sarah's looking at me and she goes, it's really heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Because all the people who are asking her mother, why would her daughter do that, are Catholic. (laughs) And I just lowered my head and I was like, Sarah, these are trying times. These are very trying times. And I'm not going to make an excuse for the faulty behavior within the church over the past 40 years where our young people have not been given the truth that they deserved and belonged to them, that the Lord wanted them for himself, and he wanted himself in their hearts. But here's the thing. All of this is taking place because, whether you know it or not, whether your mom knows it or not, your mom is giving witness to the power of the Lord because when she's explaining to these people that you, her daughter, is becoming Catholic, the Holy Spirit's stirring up dirt in all these people's lives. So that young woman who said, well, I'm I'm Catholic, I was raised Catholic, but it just was pushed down my throat. It was shoved down my throat. I never had a choice in the matter. Why would your daughter want to do this? I said what she's really saying is, why would someone want what I already have when I don't make use of it and they will? So you are pursuing an invitation from the Lord, an invitation that that young woman has. She has intimacy with the Lord, but she's turned her back on it. So the Holy Spirit's stirring within her life. The Holy Spirit's stirring within your mother's life. The Holy Spirit's stirring within you. And you've got to go for it. You have to aim for the Lord. You have to surround yourself with the light. In your mind and in your heart, no matter what is going on around your life, in your life, in your home, in your family, if you have the sacred heart of Jesus in your home, would you please give Him some time and attention? And I'm not just talking about the picture. I'm talking about the person. And if you don't have the Lord in your home, this is a Catholic freakout story. Guess what? He's already there. You're just not paying attention to him. To so just acknowledge the one who right now is an intruder but wants to be the visitor. He wants to be someone who calls that his home and not his most recent break-in. He needs to be invited. He needs to have a key to the door. He shouldn't be breaking through the kitchen window. But the Lord will never leave us alone. He hunts after us. He is the one who wants us because we are loved and we are important. If you do not already have His heart in your home, do you want to have a home in His heart? There shouldn't be a single person in this church, in this city, in this state, in this country, in this world who when offered that question Do you want a home in his heart? Would turn that down. Do you want the Lord for yourself? If you do, bring his heart into your home. Do you want peace and security? Do you want mercy? Do you want love? Bring his heart into your home. Do you want to know that while none of us are surviving this thing called life because we were made for heaven, that you're heading there? Bring his heart into your home. Do you want to have security when you look at your little ones or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren? Bring his heart into your home. Do you need the dust to settle? Bring his heart into your home. Do you want life? Do you want light? Do you want peace? Bring his heart into your home.